job seekers, let nothing you dismay. Remember the Guardian Careers podcast was born on Christmas Day. Sorry to interrupt, but we didn't actually start on Christmas Day, and that might even be a bit blasphemous. All right, Carrie, have you ever heard of poetic license? <gasps> yeah, oh. I bet Auden didn't have to put up with this. Okay, okay. sorry, I'm going to carry on. Yeah, yeah, carry on. Was born on Christmas Day to save us from unemployment and living off the state. Oh, tidings of comfort and jobs, comfort and jobs. Oh, tidings of comfort and jobs. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kerry Eustis and welcome to the last Careers Talk of 2010. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Now, if all you want for Christmas is a new job, then come and sit on our metaphorical knee and stroke our big, white, imaginary audio <laughs> beard. Because this week's pod is in a giving mood. Ooh, it sounds a bit dodgy. <laughs> we can't promise that a bright, shiny job offer will be waiting under the tree for you on Christmas morning, but we do have some cracking ideas to help you transform your career in the new year. But first, you've already heard that Lawrence, our jingle specialist, is back. Yeah. Lawrence created the internet smash sensation the arts graduate (laughs) unemployment song which you might remember from a previous pod earlier in the year and he's kindly agreed to join us for the very last pod of 2010 to bring some festive cheer to the proceedings hello Lawrence hello Um, so have you got any uh, new year's careers resolutions um, well, I'm starting a new job in the new year, so, you know, new start. I'm going I'm to reinvent myself. New hair, new trousers, probably. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll be a completely new person. I'm just going to... I'm treating it like starting university or new school. I'm just going to be much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. Moving on to the news roundup, Harriet Minter and Alison White are here to talk reality TV, networking for grads and more. Um, Ali, are you going to start? I am indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a heavy night at the Christmas party before you ask. <laughs> Have you had swapped voices with your nan or cat <laughs> Slater or something? <laughs> Let's see if my voice holds out. Right, I'm going to go on the same theme as Julian this week and I've got some tips for networking, but especially for you graduates out there. Because as the blog New Grad Life points out, um, students and graduates might not have networked before and they might feel out of place and intimidated. So there's some good tips here, really. You know, if you've got little work experience, you can actually try and impress them instead with your passion about the company and the industry and, you know, some areas you can research uh, the top three competitors the company's strength and weaknesses the company's vision and values so get yourself some knowledge and about basically and I like this brand yourself with elevator speech <laughs> which is actually a 30 second speech in order to pr- project a personal brand that sets you apart from other recent grads and remember networking is a two-way street so look at ways that you can improve you know give them some suggestions about their company and some good feedback because it will make you look more knowledgeable as a job seeker and you know it will make you just look like less like someone who's out to get a job without bothering to help others in return and my voice needs to rest so I'll pass <laughs> oh, over to my break. colleagues <laughs> thanks for that Paul O'Grady <laughs> 
Um, okay, my story is about um, reality TV influencing recruitment processes. And we've talked quite a lot throughout the year, haven't we, about creative applications and the things that people are doing. But employers are picking up on that now. And lots of companies are using sort of um, X factor, talent style, contest, whittle down candidates. And the first one is The Eventus. <laughs> Fantastic title. And this is a competition for final year event management students where they have to. The first stage is you have to create a video, put it on YouTube, and people probably vote whether they like you or not. And then the selected candidates are going to go along to Excel and compete, you know, be split up into groups like The Apprentice. It was inspired by The Apprentice. Um, devise an event, present their event, then do lots of challenges, and the winner gets the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the editor of the of event magazine who kind of devised this contest has said that it's a really realistic way to trial and see if people are actually cut out for the industry because it's very tough so that's one of the defenses for this sort of thing anyway and even the blue chip companies are getting involved in this there's a um, standard chart bank launched a competition to find the world's coolest intern oh and, my uh, god well they looked at people's <laughs> facebook their twitter their twitter influence how many facebook friends they had to that, see it was like a social media based uh, role so your coolness was dependent on how many Facebook friends you have, how many Facebook pictures you have, how many groups you've joined, how many times people have commented on your wall. This this defines your coolness. Well, in they're, the, they're the factors. World. They're the factors for the world's coolest in terms of their social media job. Anyway, Harriet might not be a fan, but I was just wondering if this, you know, we've said this before, whether this is going forward and CVs are, seem to be losing their relevance at the moment. You know, blogs are more important. People are judging you on your online presence and not what it says on paper. So I think it's quite That's interesting. True. That's true. Um, well, I am looking at a fantastic article that came from our jobs goddess this week, Claire Whitmer, on the Guardian Careers site called Career Myths That Derail Your Job Search, which is looking at some of the big things everyone believes and are actually completely untrue. Kind of one of the ones that I picked up on was employers will understand your previous job and how it's relevant. And we talk about this all the time, about how you need to word your CV so that it reflects what employers are looking for. So make sure that you pick up on words they use in the um, job advert. Make sure that you show how what you have been doing relates to the job they're looking for. She also talks about how you shouldn't rely on the fact that your referee will automatically give you a glowing reference. They don't have to say you're the greatest employee in the world if you weren't. So be careful about who you pick. But my favourite one was the myth that recruiters work on your behalf recruiters don't work for you they work for the employer Mm. and they want to sell the job to you not vice versa (laughs) so be very careful christmas a time for love sharing and compassion also a good time to touch up your cv guardian Now, Katie J's career in publishing isn't progressing at the pace she would like. So, Julian Lindley reveals why the party season is the perfect time to network yourself into a promotion. It's a very interesting time for people's careers Christmas. It's when offices socialise more and there can be really good opportunities to put yourself in front of new people, new departments, new bosses... It can also be an absolutely dreadful time if you get that wrong because getting a bit drunk at work Christmas do, making a bit of a fool of yourself can completely change the way that people perceive you. And it's, uh, it's interesting because this letter that I've got this week uh, from Katie J, 
that she has worked in publishing for several years. Um, she had wanted to be a commissioning editor for fiction books, but she's struggling to get there because there aren't that many career opportunities around at the moment. Publishing doesn't pay that great. She's desperate to progress her career, and Kate is wondering whether or not there are different ways that she can use her writing skills in more lucrative industries. Well, first of all, Katie, I've said this before, if money is what you're after, get out of publishing, because it's a great, brilliant, amazing job that is going to afford you some absolutely stunning opportunities, but financially, it's not as rewarding as other industries, and that's the payoff that you make. So the first thing that you might want to weigh up is how important is money to you. If you're very successful, you can make good cash, but it, you know, it is a few people make a lot of money out of publishing. As far as your career as a writer in publishing is concerned, I have to say you're already in an incredibly fortunate position because you have a job in publishing. So that is something that, what is it, 48,000 unemployed media graduates currently do not have that luxury. So I would look at what you've already got and find different ways of approaching your career, the company that you work for, to look for opportunities that are already there. So I know it's difficult because sometimes when you're frustrated at work and things aren't going your way, the easiest and quickest thing to do is just go sod this, I'm going to go and work somewhere else. But in actual fact, sometimes knuckling down, cutting away your frustration and your anger and seeing, seeing the opportunities where you are is actually much better. So within your company, I would think, well, what is it that I would like to do here? What are the jobs that I wished became available? Who are the people that are really the movers and shakers in the company, if you like, the people who are kind of leading the direction? And I would try and find a way to talk to them. You know, people like being asked for advice. You should never be scared about approaching somebody and asking if you can have a coffee with them. And I think that engaging with them, even if it doesn't help you in the short term, can pay dividends in the long term because when opportunities do become available, you'll be in their head. So what I'm saying is, yes, absolutely, go ahead, approach those people, but do also have a think about what it is that you could say to them that would make an impact, that would give them suggestions, that would make them interested in you. Don't be negative about the business. Don't don't say, oh, I could do that a lot better. That's not what I mean. Look for opportunities for growth rather than being critical about the way things work already. So I would try and use the the opportunities that are in front of you right now. And as I said right at the very start, you know, Christmas parties are a great time to do that. That was Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bauer. Now, January means two things for most. It's a time for New Year's resolutions and also the biggest month for job seeking. But rather than giving up carbs or adopting a punishing Madonna-style exercise regime, we propose a career-related resolution that you up your game when it comes to looking for a job. To help, we've compiled five techniques that will give your job search a detox. Elizabeth Backus is a career consultant and founder of The Successful CV Company, and she's come along to the Mistletoe Decked Careers Talk Studio. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi there. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming in. Um, so we're thinking about how you can detox your career in the new year, mm-hmm. refresh your job search. And we've got five points that you shared with us. And the first one is developing a strategic career plan. Can you tell us more about that and maybe share some tips about how to do it? 
Sure. Um, ideally, it's uh, an opportunity to look at your expectations for how you want to progress in your career and looking at the steps you need to take. It may be that um, you'd not actually reached the exam levels that you'd wanted or the qualifications that you'd wanted um, when you graduated. So it's looking at um, perhaps previous experiences, internships, and how you can utilise those experience and transferable experience more to the point to persuade employers that actually you have the capabilities to undertake the roles that you're interested in. So what does a strategic career plan look like? It, it's pretty much similar to mapping. So taking a bit of paper, once you've identified the companies you actually want to work for, um, listing those. And then at the side of that, having your own skills matching exercise. So do these companies hold opportunities for realistic career progression? Do the companies match your social responsibility beliefs? Uh, do they have multiple geographical locations that would offer you the opportunity to travel if that's something you want to do? So it's being really clear about what it is you want, what you can bring to those organisations, but also how they match your own career ambitions. Do you think that enough people do this? I mean, I've been guilty in the past of the flick through the paper and see what you like approach. Do you think that's the same for a lot of other people as well? I think a lot of people, uh, it's almost like panic buying. Um, <laughs> they have a scattered approach rather than actually taking the time to sit down, be relaxed about it in the first instance and think. A lot of people do hit the job sites, hit the recruitment agencies, um, get the newspapers out without a clear vision of where they want to go. And it's like going on a journey without actually knowing how to get there. So it's taking the time to actually stop, think, identify what it is you want to do and what you want out of your career. Um, and then you've got more sense of purpose. And in fact, you find that as you go through your journey of your strategic career development campaign, you actually learn a lot more um, from, you know, that you had at the beginning, given the information that you've been able to acquire about organisations, but most importantly about yourself. All right. So what about the next tip, which is about research, undertaking research that works? Tell us more about that. Given the web, we've now got so many more opportunities to, to gain information on companies. Um, so once you've identified the, the type of organisations that you want to work for, or it may be an organisation that's actually advertising, you've got the opportunity to perhaps go to their website, look at the things like their mission statements, their goals, do some research with similar organisations and practical competitors. Specific information like um, financials and share prices, obviously it's a limited company, it'll have published information. Jenny Rogers said in her uh, uh, new book, which is to be published next year, um, it's not a bad idea to actually pretend to be a prospective shareholder and actually ask for the company report if it's not available online. Um, there's lots of information out there. Um, you know, if companies have uh, their own Facebook pages and Twitter accounts, uh, join these because then you can get updates on what's happening with product development, uh, market conditions, industry trends, things like that, that are actually going to assist you in understanding the market more and how that company fits into that sector. Okay, so once you know um, which companies that you want to work for, how can you sort of target them and put that forward that you feel that you've got an affinity and that's where you sort of really need to be or really should be? 
For speculative approaches, I always recommend, where possible, to find out the details of the individual who ideally you'd like to report to, or somebody within um, a department, say maybe the marketing department that you're aiming to work within. How do you think you can find that information out? Sometimes quite sneakily. Um, on websites, um, joking apart, there's still quite a few companies that do list the key members and a little bio. Some people might phone up um, and ask who would be the best person to talk to about um, marketing and product development um, and, and get the name from reception. And that's quite a popular way of doing it. It actually works. And it is blagging it, obviously. Um, but receptionists are incredibly busy. They're fielding lots of calls. And if it's a specific question like that, they're actually qu- quite quickly do give that information out. What are your thoughts on using social media in that way? I mean, that's something we've talked about quite a lot in the podcast. Do you think that's a good way to connect with employers? Definitely. And certainly to um, get more of a feel for that organisation as a whole. Sometimes you'll find that senior members of um, companies will be involved in forums on social media. Um, There may be announcements on Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn, obviously, is is a, a great portal to actually find out lots of information and get information on key members of companies. All right. And any other innovative ways that you could connect with your dream employer? Well, there are various conferences, and whilst these can be expensive to attend, there are opportunities to go to industry conferences on the last day. Sometimes in the last afternoon, you can actually get in free. And if you are keen on having your CV with you, let it just be a one-pager. It may be the people on the stands aren't the direct people that you want to talk to, but you can have a chat with them about what it's like to work for the organisation, who would be the best person for you to get in touch with, um, even picking up product information on the stands and things like that. All right, we're joined on the phone now by Steve Sheward, who is a cognitive behavioural therapist and senior manager at Prospects, which is an education, employment and training company. Hello, Steve. Hello. Um, You've written some really interesting blogs for the careers site about sort of the psychology of interviews and things like that. So we really wanted to ask you about what what an ideal mindset for New Year's job seeking might be? Well, I think the New Year's a time when people really, really take stock of what they want to do. And one thing that clients find uh, really valuable is to, in fact, look at their own personal values and um, reappraise their personal values in terms of their, their careers. Not just career, but their, their personal life, their spirituality, the, the key things that are important to them, and then start to relate that to career ideas that they may have. There's a guy called Martin Seligman in the States at the University of Pennsylvania who's famous for positive psychology. He's taken CBT and he's world famous for using CBT in a positive psychology context. And he's developed this notion of signature strength, so enabling individuals to identify their values or what he calls signature strengths. And there's a free questionnaire that you can do to identify your own personal signature strengths on the university website at www.authentichappiness.org. The other thing I think that people find very helpful is um, to try and build a a compelling vision of what they want to do career-wise in the future. There's a a, a kind of a visualization exercise that people could try out that they find very helpful. And it's really just finding a quiet place and then imagining that 
they're wiping a black ball clean or turning over a white piece of paper. And then really trying to focus in on long-term goals and being very specific about what those goals would look like and holding them clearly in their mind. And then starting to translate that visual fantasy into practical steps. It's also helpful if they can identify any ambivalence and what's holding them back. So one of them might be, for instance, procrastination. So what strategies could they overcome the, the procrastination with? Um, have you got any tips for how we could do that? Because I think we're all kind of feeling a bit guilty about being <laughs> procrastinators in the studio. Well, there's a, a, something you can do called a cost and benefits analysis. So let's say you've identified procrastinating about your career as a behavior. You obviously get some sort of payoff from that. So it's identifying what sort of benefits you're getting from procrastinating. And funny though that may sound, you are getting a a payoff for it and that's why you're doing it. And then identifying all of the costs that that procrastination's stopping you from, from doing. And evaluating which one's stronger. So that will hopefully motivate you to overcome the procrastination. Jingle bells, careers all smell, why would you want to go to work? When you can stay inside and have a bath, that is much more fun. Hey! Oh, wrong message. Uh, keep looking for work. Saved. <laughs> Thanks again to Elizabeth Backus and Steve Sheward. Now, forget the Christmas number one, we've got the jobs top ten. Deck the halls with job opportunities. Ta 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 ta. Go into banking or management consultancy. Ta 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 ta. Or maybe you won't sell your soul and your work for a charity. Deck the halls with job opportunities. Ta 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 ta. In at 10, Foul Wade Recruitment is looking for out-of-work actors to provide reception cover. And at 9, the University of Liverpool needs a teacher in Portuguese. At 8, it's a marketing officer via brand recruitment. While at 7, criminal justice skills are looking for a street engagement worker. Hayes need a social worker at 6. And at 5, Protocol Education is looking for a special needs teacher. McDonald and company want a land surveyor at four, while three is a nursing home manager via Morgan Hunt. Pip to the post at two, it's a forensic medical examiner for policeskills.co.uk. But top of the jobs Christmas tree, it's a temporary telephonist from Summers by Two. Before we dash off, here are a few dates for your 2010 and 2011 diary. All right, this Friday we have career secrets from The Apprentices. And yes, we mean a real former apprentices from the show. So who would be better at sharing their career secrets with our readers? So they'll be taking your questions this Friday. On the 18th of January, we have an event, a career change clinic, which is how to switch sectors or roles. So if you're interested, join Guardian Careers and Personal Career Management at the Guardian offices to find out how it's done. All that's left to say is thanks very much to our guests, Elizabeth Backus, Steve Sheward and our Christmas caroler, Lawrence Gemmell. Never forgetting the studio team, Harriet Minter and Alison White. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm Kerry Eustace and I'm off to don a party frock and update my CV. Have a Merry Christmas and we'll be back in the new year. Are you writing your 10th covering letter? (laughs) 
Are you trying to make your CV look better? Are you frustrated with the job market? Think no one else can feel your pain? Turn around, you fool, and you will think again. So there it was, the Guardian Careers Podcast. We pretended to have fun. Ha ha! Look to the future now. It's only just begun. Although technically the future hasn't just begun because the future is constantly, you know, in the future. We're looking towards it, not living in it. We're only in it. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>